Thank you for choosing to listen to the Emmaus Radio Ministry Podcast. Each of these messages were given by various faculty, staff, and friends of Emmaus Bible College. To view each series as a whole or for more information about similar Emmaus ministries, please visit concerninghim.com. We've come to the conclusion of our study of Jonah, and today what I would like to do is briefly review uh, the book of Jonah and some of the major theological lessons that we've seen throughout the book, and then drive home a couple of key application points, uh, and then close in prayer. So, our review of Jonah, starting from chapter 1, we saw the word of the Lord come to Jonah and tell him to go to the city of Nineveh. Throughout our study, we found out that it was not primarily because of fear of the Assyrians, although they were brutal and barbaric at this time. It was more as a result of Jonah's uh, hatred of the people and expectation of their repentance if he were to take this message from the Lord. He did not want to see them repent, and so he fled from the word of the Lord, first to the city of Joppa to get on a ship, and then out into the ocean, moving toward Tarshish, probably the farthest place away uh, from Nineveh that he could have gone in the world at that time. The Lord pursues him. We saw the sovereignty of God in throwing a storm out onto the sea after him. We saw the uh, reaction of the sailors who are uh, polytheistic here. They're getting up. They're telling each one to cry out to their own God. The captain comes down to Jonah as he's sleeping beneath the ship and says, what is wrong with you? Get up, call out to your God, and maybe we can be delivered. Jonah uh, tells them uh, who he is and what he's doing as they cast lots to find out on whose account uh, this storm has come upon them. And uh, they ask him what they should do in order to be saved. Uh, He tells them, throw me into the sea and the storm will stop. Well, at first, they don't want to be guilty of uh, taking the life of this individual, and they attempt to row back to shore, but the storm prevents them. God will not allow that to take place. And so they call out to God, asking him not to hold them accountable for Jonah's life, Uh, because it's on account of Jonah that this storm has come upon them. So they pick up Jonah, they throw him into the sea, and in their minds, they're putting him to death. They're killing him. They're sacrificing him to this angry God, and uh, God's wrath is satiated in their minds as a result of this. They see the power of God. They see that throwing Jonah overboard delivered them, and they, the text says, greatly feared the Lord and offered sacrifices to the Lord. So through Jonah's disobedience, uh, the sailors end up coming to know uh, the one true God. Now, the Lord appoints a great fish who swallows Jonah to preserve his life while he's in the stomach of the fish. He prays in chapter 2 to the Lord. We noticed when we looked through this chapter, this prayer is really devoid of any sort of uh, repentance, but it has more to do with Jonah being concerned for the preservation of his life. Lord, please help me. And the Lord graciously uh, helps Jonah and allows the fish to spit him up on land. One of the most telling verses is verse 9 of chapter 2, where Jonah says, But I will sacrifice to you with the voice of thanksgiving that which I have vowed I will pay. Salvation is from the Lord. And through our study, 
we came to conclude that what Jonah is essentially saying here is that, all right, if you want me to go to Nineveh and you want to save the people of Nineveh, that is your prerogative. I don't like it, but I will do it. And in chapter 3, that's what happens. The Lord again commands Jonah to go to Nineveh. This time Jonah does what the Lord asks, and as a result, the entire city repents. They turn from their wickedness, uh, from the lowest uh, to the highest, even the king of the city, and they repent, call on the name of the Lord, and God relents concerning the judgment that he has pronounced to bring upon them, and he does not do it. When we come to Jonah chapter 4, we see the prophet very angry with the Lord because of this. He's accusing the Lord of injustice, uh, thinking that the Lord has not been true to his word. He promised judgment, and when the people repented, he didn't judge them. And Jonah goes as far as to say, I knew this was going to happen, and that's why I didn't want to come. And so we see he did not want the city to repent. And now that God has not executed his judgment, he is very upset about it. The Lord uses the illustration of a plant, of a worm, of a scorching east wind, all to teach Jonah the lesson that Jonah is concerned about this little plant uh, when he is not concerned about the great city of Nineveh and all of the people living within it, including, most likely, 120,000 young people, children who may not even be aware of their own uh, right hand and left hand, as well as the animals who can make no uh, decisions for themselves uh, regarding uh, salvation one way or the other. Several key theological lessons that we've seen throughout our study. First of all, God is sovereign over all of his creation. We saw the Lord casting a storm onto the sea. We saw the Lord uh, appointing a fish to come and swallow up Jonah and then commanding the fish, and the fish spits Jonah up onto land. We saw the Lord appointing a plant to grow up, and it grows up overnight, uh, supernaturally. We see the Lord appointing a small worm to eat and wither the plant. We see the Lord in charge of the uh, scorching east wind uh, that comes on Jonah, making him so uncomfortable because of the wind and the sun. So God's control over nature. We also see God's sovereignty and prov providential control over Jonah. Jonah does not want to go to Nineveh. And God at first allows him to run in the opposite direction. But God lovingly works with Jonah. He doesn't force Jonah or coerce Jonah to go to Nineveh. He lovingly and patiently pursues Jonah and guides him in the right direction so that when he spit up from the fish in chapter 3 and the, the word of the Lord comes to Jonah again, Jonah, of his own free volition, decides that he will go to Nineveh. But make no mistake, that was God's plan and intent all along. So God is sovereignly directing, uh, providentially directing, the history of Jonah's life here, and yet not uh, overstepping, not doing so in a way that eliminates 
uh, Jonah's ability to make his own decisions. He's guiding him uh, as a good father would guide a child. We also see here the nature, really the sinful wickedness of the human heart, both in the city of Nineveh as a whole on a large scale. And we looked at some of the, the backdrop of the, the Assyrian people at this time, brutal and barbaric practices toward the people that they uh, terrorized, but also the depravity of Jonah's heart. Jonah does not want to see any group outside of national Israel be shown God's mercy in particular, the people of Nineveh. And that uh, uh, state of heart of the prophet is what God is throughout the book trying to correct. Uh, and so ultimately, this depravity manifests itself in, in Jonah's life as an arrogance about himself and his own situation. Uh, third of all, we see God's love demonstrated in mercy displayed toward all mankind. And we talked about how Jonah, in his mind, uh, went back to the Older Testament, to the time of Moses, and the, the event of the golden calf in the history of Israel. When God uh, told Moses that the people had sinned by making themselves a golden calf and worshiping it, uh, God told Moses to step aside and that he would wipe out the nation and raise up Moses and make a great nation out of him. When Moses prayed, uh, God relented and changed his mind, so to speak, about that decision and dis displayed mercy toward Israel. Here in the book of Jonah, we see this mercy displayed outside of the nation of Israel, first toward the Phoenician sailors and also toward the people of Nineveh and throughout to the prophet of uh, Jonah himself. Finally, uh, another theological lesson, the last theological lesson, is that the mission of God's people throughout both Old and New Testaments are to be God's emissaries uh, throughout the world, a light to all the nations. This was the purpose of the nation of Israel, and it has been uh, picked up and re-given to the church today. The people of God are meant to be God's ambassadors to the world. Now, several key application points as we conclude our study together. First of all, we've seen our sin does not surprise God or change his plans. Jonah's Disobedience does not thwart God's plan. God works through that disobedience and in spite of that disobedience. He is not surprised by the actions of human beings. Secondly, God desires for his people to look outside their own spheres of comfort and have a heart for all human beings. This was really what Jonah had a hard time with and perhaps the overarching purpose of the book that Jonah would look outside of his nationalistic Israelite love and take the character of God to particularly the people of Nineveh, but outside of Israel to the rest of the world. Third, what sometimes looks like injustice on the part of God to us is probably only our own sin fogging our vision. So in chapter 4, Jonah accuses God of injustice. 
But it ends up that really what is going on is it is his own sin, his own hatred of the people of Nineveh that is clouding his vision. God is not unjust in extending mercy toward whoever he desires to do this. Uh, This is his divine prerogative. He longs to extend his mercy toward others. And if we do not see that, what is clouding our vision is our own wickedness, not injustice on the part of God. Fourth, mercy, we have seen, is foundational to God's character demonstrated toward humanity. Every second of continued human existence is really an act of divine mercy. God is merciful for not smiting and completely wiping out wicked humanity, sinful humanity. It is an act of mercy that he allows me to continue to live this day when I act as sinfully and think as sinfully as I do. So mercy is continual and foundational to God's character, flowing out of his love for humanity. He is long-suffering with Uh, humanity. The final lesson that I'd like to point out really comes from chapter 2 and verse 9. We read this a little bit earlier, where Jonah prays, I will sacrifice to you with the voice of thanksgiving. That which I have vowed, I will repay. Salvation is from the Lord. Maybe another translation we could give to this, salvation belongs to the Lord. I really think this is the overall purpose of the book of Jonah, to demonstrate it is in his divine prerogative who to save and who to extend his mercy toward. God desires that all men be saved, and yet not all humanity will be saved. Through the shed blood of Jesus Christ, that offer is going out legitimately to the entire world. It is available to all people, but not all people will be saved. We know from the New Testament that it requires a decision on our part to put our faith in the Lord Jesus Christ. And so as we close, I want to leave you with the question, have you learned the lesson of Jonah that God desires to show his mercy toward you. Have you been saved from your sin through the blood of Jesus Christ? Thank you for listening to the Emmaus Radio Ministry Podcast. This ministry is possible because of the generous contributions from our partners around the world. For more information about partnering with us, please visit emmaus.edu partner.